book contains 30 stories about the children and teachers at Wayside School, but before we get to them, there's something you ought to know so you don't get confused. Wayside School was accidentally built sideways. It was supposed to be only one story high with 30 classrooms all in a row. Instead, it's 30 stories high with one classroom on each story. The builder said he was very sorry. The children of Wayside like having a sideways school. They have an extra large playground. The children and teachers described in this book go all go to class on the top floor. So there are 30 stories from the 30th story of Wayside School. It has been said that these stories are strange and silly. That is probably true. However, when I told stories about you to the children at Wayside, they thought that you were strange and silly. That is probably also true. And this time I didn't yell my pussy. Congratulations! This is our second time recording this and the first time Devin yelled my pussy, but this time instead he just said I didn't yell my pussy as a substitute even though he did in the process say the words my pussy. I can't complain too much, I just said it like five times in the process of doing that, so... And today's OC is gonna be all about <laughs> it's on, it's the pussy man. That's our OC. <laughs> pussy man. <laughs> Why does this happen every time we do an episode about a children's property? Because we're not a children appropriate podcast. <laughs> we're not. Um, sorry if you clicked on this looking for child appropriate content and we're immediately scared away. Uh, we're not a child-appropriate podcast. Amber, what type of podcast are we? We, our original podcast, Do Not Steal, a weekly show in which every week Devin and I take some sort of original uh, intellectual property or franchise and we um, think about it and talk about it and discuss what makes it interesting and unique and worth discussing. And then um, we make an original character in that property. Uh, and that that's, that's, that's also what we're doing today. Um, uh, today... Um, we're talking about Wayside School, which is a series of children books by Lewis Sacker, um, uh, who you may know as the author of Holes. Uh, he did a bunch of other children's books as well. This was his first book, was uh, Way Sideways Stories from Wayside School back in 1979. He wrote it after being a professor at the, un or a, like a yard teacher at the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, and he wrote it, and it was a huge success, and then he wrote three more. Um, uh, the most recent one was actually in 2020. I suspect that most of the people listening to this already have some understanding of what Wayside School is, but you might not know that there was, a, there was one in 2020. There's a full four of these, plus a two like spin-off books about math um, and a animated movie uh, with a Nickelodeon TV show spin-off that I haven't seen but that Devin has, so collectively we have a full understanding of the franchise. With our powers combined, we can cover the entire Wayside-verse. So the, the general premise of Wayside School, every book is 30 different stories from the classroom on the 30th floor of Wayside School. Um, and every story follows a different, a different character, usually a child. It's like, you know, about a 30-person classroom, so you get about 30 stories from about the 30 kids, more or less. Um, but occasionally it'll focus on, like, a staff member. Um, and all of the stories are very, very silly. Um, I'm likely to read one uh, here at the beginning just to, like, illustrate the kind of story that uh, gets told. Um, and I will let Devin decide whether I do the same one I just read before or if I give you a new one because there's a different one that I think is uh, maybe slightly less interesting but slightly funnier. All of the stories feature zany little twists in logic and unique exciting ways of looking at the world, I guess I would say. Um, they all illustrate this really um, evocative, interesting world where, um, uh, like, logical leaps that seem like they shouldn't exist just do, and everybody's fine with that. There'll be, a, like, if a character is standing on their head, um, the text, when they're standing on their head, it will be, like, printed upside down. 
because, you know, when you talk, your words come out upside down. Um, that kind of a thing. And in the first book, this is very episodic. It's very 30 different distinct stories um, with, like, some underlying themes and motifs that repeat, but largely distinct entities. And then in the second book, they have this, like, storyline that takes place over several chapters about um, uh, some stuff that happens on the 19th story, which doesn't exist. There's no 19th story of the building. They forgot to build one. Um, and so there's a few stories about what happens there in the story that doesn't exist. And then you get to the third book, and there's, like, a like a story that takes place place over like the entire back half of the book basically about finding a new teacher to replace Mrs. Jules um and like it becomes more of it's not that it is like a huge meaningful uh serialized story with like epic stakes or whatever but it is you know there's continuity there's um a greater point it builds towards something meaningful um, and then the fourth book is Wayside School Beneath the Cloud of Doom, which is kind of about, like, the experience of growing up in, like, 2020 when, like, climate change exists how it is, when the world is, like, not looking super optimistic and, like, what it looks like to be growing up during that time. Um, these books, I, I listened to them on audiobook as a kid, the original trilogy especially, um, and I revisited them this year as an adult, like, sort of on a whim, um, and I'm delighted to announce that they super hold up. They are hysterical. All of the running jokes, uh, they work for me. They're well set up. They're well paid off. I love Wayside School. I recommend if you haven't revisited them recently, it might be worth a revisit. And I watched the TV show back when I lived with my aunt and she had cable. And I remember very little about it. The difference, main, the main difference from book to film adaptation is that main character Todd. Well, first of all, it's that there are main characters as opposed to the book where it feels like it's about someone different every single time uh you do focused on a core cast there's todd who is a transfer student the fish out of water straight-laced boring one who's constantly shocked by the crazy way wayside operates but come season two it's less about him being shocked and more about him being a little annoyed because he has adapted to the hijinks of wayside there's his black best friend who is odd He's an odd little fella. There's the girl who has a crush on him, who's a tomboy, sort of punk rock, more in aesthetics than, like, aspirations, hardcore skater girl who has a crush on Todd and expresses that by punching him. There's the nerdy girl best friend with purple hair and the big tooth, and then a wonderful cast of colorful side characters who engage in their own hijinks. Like, there's a guy who's just dressed like an elf, and that's his whole deal. There's a bunch of cows... There's these five twins who all dress exactly the same, but don't look exactly the same. And they all, I think their neighbors are all Marvin, and they all love math. And that's how Wayside the TV show works. Todd There's be confused three Eric's. or annoyed. Yeah, them. Those yeah, the people. three Eric's. It's interesting because Todd is a character in the book. Um, there is a character named Todd, um, but he's not like generic protagonist man. His, his thing is that he always gets in trouble. Um, uh, despite not being a bad kid, he just, like, all the kids will be talking, and then Todd will go to say something, and the teacher will immediately be like, Todd, don't talk out of turn. Um, he'll get, he gets sent home every day early from class for getting in trouble because of, that's just, that's just how it works for Todd. Poor Todd. That's his thing in the book. Then he's gonna move in with a horseman, and that horseman is gonna be a leech on Todd's life. I would like to read you a chapter 
from from the original sideways stories from Wayside School. Um, I know it'll be a little bit longer than the normal thing we do for this segment, but I would like to anyway. The segment um, wherein we read from books. No, I mean, like, for the show. Like, we don't usually take a long time out to... It's not going to be that long. It's, like, eight pages and it's children's page. It's fine. You're going to... I'm going to read the... I'm going to read a chapter. So this is chapter three of the original book. Chapter three, Joe. Joe had curly hair, but he didn't know how much hair he had. He couldn't count that high. In fact, he couldn't count at all. When all the other children went to recess, Mrs. Jules told Joe to wait inside. Joe, she said, how much hair do you have? Joe shrugged his shoulders. A lot, he answered. But how much, Joe? asked Mrs. Jules. Enough to cover my head, Joe answered. Joe, you're going to have to learn how to count, said Mrs. Jules. But Mrs. Jules, I already know how to count, said Joe. Let me go to recess. First, count to ten, said Mrs. Jules. Joe counted to ten. Six, eight, twelve, one, five, two, seven, eleven, three, ten. No, Joe, that is wrong, said Mrs. Jules. No, it isn't, said Joe. I counted until I got to ten. But you were wrong, said Mrs. Jules. I'll prove it to you. She put five pencils on his desk. How many pencils do we have here, Joe? Joe counted the pencils. Four, six, one, nine, five. There are five pencils, Mrs. Jules. That's wrong, said Mrs. Jules. How many pencils are there, Joe asked. Five, said Mrs. Jules. That's what I said, said Joe. May I go to recess now? No, said Mrs. Jules. You got the right answer, but you counted the wrong way. You were just lucky. She set eight potatoes on the desk. How many potatoes, Joe? Joe counted the potatoes. Seven, five, three, one, two, four, six, eight. There are eight potatoes, Mrs. Jules. Fucking get her ass, Joe. Light her up. (laughs) No, there are eight, said Mrs. Jules. But that's what I said, said Joe. May I go to recess now? No, you got the right answer, but you counted the wrong way again. She put three books on his desk. Count the books, Joe. Joe counted the books. A thousand, a million, three. Three, Mrs. Jules. Correct, said Mrs. Jules. May I go to recess now, Joe asked. No, said Mrs. Jules. May I have a potato, asked Joe. No, listen to me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, said Mrs. Jules. Now you say it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, said Joe. Very good, said Mrs. Jules. She put six erasers on his desk. Now count the erasers, Joe, just the way I showed you. Joe counted the erasers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are ten, Mrs. Jules. No, said Mrs. Jules. Didn't I count right? asked Joe. Yes, you counted right, but you got the wrong answer, said Mrs. Jules. This doesn't make any sense, said Joe. When I count the wrong way, I get the right answer, and when I count the right, I get the wrong answer. Mrs. Jules hit her head against the wall five times. How many times did I hit my head against the wall, she asked. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You hit your head against the wall ten times, said Joe. No, said Mrs. Jules. Four, six, one, nine, five. You hit your head five times, said Joe. Mrs. Jules shook her head no and said, yes, that is right. The bell rang, and all the other children came back from recess. The fresh air had made them very excited, and they were laughing and shouting. Oh, darn, said Joe. Now I missed recess. Hey, Joe, where were you? asked John. You missed a great game of kickball. I kicked a home run, said Todd. What was wrong with you, Joe? asked Joy. Nothing, said Joe. Mrs. Jules was just trying to teach me how to count. Joy laughed. You mean you don't know how to count? Counting is easy, said Mauricia. Now, now, said Mrs. Jules, what's easy for you may not be easy for Joe, and what's easy for Joe may not be easy for you. Nothing's easy for Joe, said Mauricia. He's stupid. I can beat you up, said Joe. Try it, said Mauricia. That will be enough of that, said Mrs. Jules. She wrote Mauricia's name on the blackboard under the word discipline. 
Joe put his head down on his desk between the eight potatoes and the six erasers. Don't feel bad, Joe, said Mrs. Jules. I just don't get it, said Joe. I'll never learn how to count. Sure you will, Joe, said Mrs. Jules. One day it'll just come to you. You'll wake up one morning and suddenly be able to count. Joe asked, if all I have to do is wake up, what am I going to school for? School just speeds things up, said Mrs. Jules. Without school, it might take another 70 years before you wake up and are able to count. By that time, I may have no hair on left on top of my head to count, said Joe. Exactly, said Mrs. Jules. That is why you go to school. When Joe woke up the next day, he knew how to count. He had 55,006 hairs on his head. They were all curly. Fucking get her ass, Joe. Fucking get her ass, Joe. Wider the fuck up. I love that story. I think that story is funny as hell. The other time we recorded this, I read Devin uh, a different story about Myron from the second book, um, uh, where Myron feels like every day he has to just do what he's told and go up and down with the bell and sit in his desk when he's told to sit in his desk. And he doesn't want to do that. So one day he goes into the basement instead of going up to school. And there he finds a, three men with a black attache case. And they ask him if he wants to be safe or if he wants to be free. And he says he wants to be free. And they have him sign some mysterious contract written in a language he doesn't understand. And when he does, he's suddenly free. And when he goes back up to class, Mrs. Jewell says, take the arithmetic test and get in your desk. But Joe doesn't want to. Or, but Myron doesn't want to. So he doesn't. And there's nothing Mrs. Jewell can do about it because he's free now. That's the kind of like story that that you're working with here in the world um is like the story where uh strange and unusual things happen it's not lol so random but it is like breaking the rules of logic it is like assuming that the rules that the kids follow are an objective force of the universe instead of like a set of social constructs that we all choose to abide by that was like a thing that really struck me as a kid like i couldn't necessarily articulate it quite that clearly but um the way that it, like, supposes these, like, little slices of unreality to be real, um, uh, I find really charming and delightful, and that's, like, a thing that really draws me to the work. And so, in thinking about making a character in the franchise, I would want to come up with, um, some kind of, like, little slice of unreality that we could make our own, and then, like, imagine what the story would look like for that character, and then maybe imagine how we could adapt that character to the screen for the television show. That's a few thousand words on that. Alright, this re-recorded episode is better. <laughs> Following in the footsteps of the zombie episode. Yeah, isn't it? It's Whenever we, whenever we re-record an episode, it improves. <laughs> Sign the petition to have us re-record all our episodes. Do not. I won't do it. You'd have to pay me so much money. That would be fucking exhausting. I want $30 an hour. Sign up to auto the Patreon. <laughs> so, either of those stories, how do you think that those would get adapted to the television show? Honestly, I think you'd just do them straight. I don't have a great wealth of how this show worked week to week, the one episode I do remember. Essentially, it's about the nature of faith and that things don't oh, have shit. to make sense for you to believe in it, but the believing in it, if it improves your life, then you're a jerk if you take that away from people just to make it make sense is the point of the episode I remember, more or less. So, like, I think you just do the thing about, you know, a nine eleven. Uh, that that story you didn't read mm -hmm. this time is mm -hmm. about. Or, do you want to be safe or do you want to be free? It's about nine eleven. It's about nine eleven. You know, like uh, that's like a art. You know, like when 
when story, uh, you know, is about like a, the literal something, but metaphorically it's about uh, something else. That's like, that's how art works. I, uh, I have a podcast, so I know a lot about art. Ever. For the record, that story was printed in 1995. Yeah, Amber. 9-11 is forever if you keep it in your heart. <laughs> I just... I need listeners at home I... to know how hard it was for me to keep a straight face. <laughs> and the bottom of my neck was <laughs> flinching super hard. I'm really upset about this episode. <laughs> Is it because we started by saying pussy and are now talking about 9-11? Man, this isn't how I wanted this to go. It didn't have to be this way. Wayside content wasn't meant to be like this. (laughs) The wayside school uh, fans are going to get up in arms against us. We're going to get canceled on r slash wayside school. (laughs) R slash wayside. <laughs> it's just pictures of us with the fucking like teeth, one tooth drawn out, and a stupid mustache, and, like devil horns and stinky lines. Be a really good publicity stunt. We can just like piss off as many people as we can, and then and then show up on the Joe Rogan Experience and talk about how you're no longer trans. Yeah. Um. And then make so much money. <laughs> And they make so much money about it. Oh, make so much stupid money. Just stupid money to say just dumb shit. Oh, <laughs> my God. I have some integrity. I don't, I don't, do I, I, I don't need to ask whether I have that kind of integrity. I don't need to ask. It's not a real situation <laughs> of being presented with. I don't need to know what my dollar sign value to say stupid shit publicly is. Oh, mine is so much less than I want it to be. I- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. I I think I'm probably a little bit more financially comfortable than you right now, so I could sort of get away with having a higher number, cause like I don't necessarily need that paycheck, you know. I got I got a union job. <laughs> shout out to the union. Shout out. Thank shout you out unions. Frank. Shout out SEIU. Shout out Frank Sabaka. Shout out that one union song. <laughs> shout out Steve Adores. Shout out the Wire season two. So if we look at our list of Chekhov's items, um, there's a like there's a lot that definitely shouldn't be here. Like I think we can like uh, say that we don't want a gun. <laughs> there's some that are like honestly a little bit too derivative of other stuff. Like a dead cat, honestly, is a little bit too close to some stuff that actually happens in the in the in the books. Um, there are a few that do work. I could imagine, you know, radio is pretty generic. It could work. Um, Broken phone is pretty generic. It could work. Um, I think that, to me, the one that strikes me as the most interesting here is the collected works of Anton Chekhov. I think this is the perfect moment to include the collected works of Anton Chekhov as a thing a character could have. I can easily imagine a story where Mrs. Jules, like someone is reading the collected works of Anton Chekhov um, to like seem smart or whatever, and... Um, they go, yeah, Chekhov is very smart. He always thinks that if something if something silly is going to happen in the end of the book, um, then something has to happen to set it up in the beginning of the book. You know, you find a more wayside way of saying that. And then uh, you have a bit where either all of the kids are setting up things to be in the book 
and then all of those things get fulfilled or subverted over the course of the rest of the actual book sort of like the thing we're doing with our podcast or you have a situation where all of the kids are coming up with payoffs that don't have any setup um something like that i don't know those are i i'm drawn towards that particular item for this okay so here was my dumb idea is that Miss Jewel is giving a presentation on, you know, the collective works of Anton Chekhov, and is like, now the rule of thumb for writing is that if one sets up a gun in Act 1, then it must be paid off, but the kid's not paying attention, so just, just, and so the kid's like, oh, what, sick, and then they just go through the rest of their day experiencing nothing but payoffs and being like, damn, that's profound, yo. Like, goes to the lunchroom and she's like Susie I'm sorry I didn't take the time to realize that because you're rich you have a different expectation of how life would work I should use more empathy and she goes no Lindsay I'm also sorry I called your mom poor and stupid we found common ground and the kid's like damn yo that's deep I ain't need to know why they fight I just need to know they better now and have better friendship and that's the whole bit I really, I really like the idea that like Mrs. Jules is talking about setup and payoff in the collected works of Anton Chekhov, and our character thinks it's boring and is not paying attention, and then a bunch of shit happens that our character would understand if they were paying attention, um, uh, but they weren't, and so we, the audience, are like privy to the setup and payoff that's happening, but the kid is, the kid is not, and thinks it's ridiculous and stupid. Yeah, that's fine. I think that's a great wayside story. And I think that you said Susie as the first name there, and I think Susie is a, is a perfect name for a wayside school kid. All right, we got Susie and Brennan. Shout out Susie, who's just like, yo, I can't learn from books. Books are stupid. And I I think I think I like the idea that like this is one of the later chapters in the book, like whatever wayside school book we're imagining. Um this is like one of the last chapters of the book and the entire book you've been setting up all of these things and you've been establishing that Susie has not been paying any attention at all um every single time that one of these things gets set up we like make a note of how Susie hasn't been paying attention and so we the audience have been seeing all these things and then in the end you the chapter is just Susie going around seeing all these things that she doesn't understand that we understand the payoff but Susie doesn't so then my question is, what is Susie doing instead of paying attention? All right, to fill this dead air, I'll just say the first two ideas that came to mind, neither of which I like or think are the direction to go, but there's like the generic, Susie's going through like some real stuff at home and life is hard. Her mom's on heroin and <laughs> that's lame. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, and the other one that I also don't like is being like, Susie's just like the main cast of friends who were so self-absorbed, didn't notice that 9-11 happened. <laughs> I don't like either of those ideas, but just dead air was long, and I thought if I talked for a long time, I'd give you a chance to think of something actually good. So I was thinking, so, like, some of the stuff that the kids do in, because there are a couple of characters who don't ever pay attention. There's, like, this character named Sherry, um, who is always asleep. Sherry wears a big overcoat, and she always sits next to the window, and she always falls asleep. And everybody goes, um, Sherry's sleeping, and Mrs. Jules goes, that's uh, great. Some kids do their best learning when they're asleep. Um, 
uh, but Sherry is just very tired all the time. Or like Paul is, Paul doesn't pay attention because he always uh, is thinking about pulling uh, Leslie's pigtails. He sits right behind her and he always wants to pull her pigtails and he's always like staring at them and wanting to pull them. It giving, giving Susie some like specific material, like she is eating have an idea. all the time or yeah. Susie is writing fan fiction. So like, like about the whole school. So Ooh. when he's experiencing the climax, is like, no, it's Todd isn't supposed to kiss Samantha. That's stupid. <laughs> Todd's supposed to return home to his family of badgers in the woods. Didn't anyone read my third installment? I'm obsessed with this idea. And then, like, like through the whole book, uh, you'll have a character turn to Susie and say, like, like something important will happen, and then a character will turn to Susie and be like, Susie, what are you doing there? And Susie's like, hush, I'm writing my fanfic about Todd. It's the moment when he uh, throws up the lunch food, and it's like immediately after Todd has eaten the lunch food and decided that it tasted really good. Um, and everybody just like shrugs and goes, well, you're just getting it wrong. Um, and I like that Susie like really thinks that she's got a really great work of literature going here. And so when Mrs. Jules is like, it's time to learn about setup and payoff, um, Susie is like not paying attention because she doesn't need to know. I'm, I'm already a genius. Why do I have to pay attention? I honestly think, like, this is already like that's a kind of that's a character. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a wayside school kid. What what more do you need? I don't, uh, yeah, that feels like it to me. I, I never read the books. I, I don't know. like her really immediately. <laughs> Yeah, this, oh, shout out to you, Susie. You came together. It's going to be a, it's going to be a weird episode for I Ship It. Ooh, time for the bumper. What the f***? In Yowie Art, the semi, or top, is usually dominating the UK, or bottom. It was fun Their relationship is cute, damn it. I ship that. So here's the thing. Susie's a kid. Susie's uh, a child. <laughs> We don't have to talk about Susie's sexuality. That will come later. Uh, I think there is something interesting to say that I think Susie... I don't think there are people who... I, like, the thought just immediately interrupted my train. But I don't think people be shipping anyone from Wayside. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's a thing that happens. <laughs> but I love the idea that Susie... Susie is very into shipping. That's... That's what this section is about. Just acknowledging the fact that Susie... Susie wants other people in the class to hold hands with other people in the class. Yeah, Susie has parents. Susie has OTPs. Susie has redemption arcs written about other people in the class. That's that, that's what I ship it is about today. If you search Wayside School on AO3, you get 46 results. Shout out to new Wayside fans who just want to ship and pretend that characters are ooh, soft boy. <laughs> I wonder if any of these are any good. I'm like sort of genuinely curious now. <laughs> the Wayside Revisit episode will be about the Wayside fan fiction. Shut curse. up. <laughs> well, that's a ship, and are we on to one fun fact apiece? I think we're already at one fun fact apiece. It's a. <laughs> It's a cutesy, tiny little episode. That's fine. Yeah, it's a bite-sized stories. My fun fact is that in the show, 
Susie is a perpetual side character, like barely ever gets lines or noticed, is just kind of a background figure, like big staple. And the penultimate episode before the finale of the show is Susie's Big Adventure. And it is just an episode of Wayside as written by Susie, kind of like Fiona and Cake from Adventure Time. And it ends with <laughs> it just ends with Todd being like, What? And Susie's like, I'm a genius. I think that everybody loves Susie's dad and she's really embarrassed about it. Like every time he goes to drop her off, he like brings treats for the kids or like like picks them up, you know, hangs you know, does uh, does does like cool guy stuff with the kids, like the stuff you would want out of a cool dad. Um and she's really embarrassed, but like we get a bunch of references to how every time her dad drops her off, um all the other kids want to hang out with her dad. Aw, that's sweet. And that's uh that's that's Wayside School, baby. You should you should you should reread the Wayside School books. They're good. My name has been Amber Autumn, she her my name has been Prince Devin. He, him. Join us next time on the podcast when Amber tries in vain to get us to talk about Jeff and the holograms. But I'm going to be real with you, audience. Scheduling is weird right now. So we are either going to do a Sopranos episode with return guest Bob. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. A Metal the Gear episode. I can imagine. <laughs> with return guest Kane. Or... It's, or we're gonna do a necromancer episode with just me and amber we'll see where the dice fall everybody all three very goofy very goofy ideas thank you for listening please be sure to give us a five-star review like us leave us a comment and head out our check out our merch store um where you can buy six erasers and eight potatoes where you can um, buy our high school that is being closed down <laughs> <laughs> yeah i heard about that that's actually happening yeah, it's a, that's actual factual. Fucking hell. The place we went to high school is no longer gonna exist. Man. What a world. That's a sad. We're aging. Getting old. Well, um... Like uh, my pussy! <laughs> Our theme music is by Kyle Alicia, whose work you can find at therealragnarok.bandcamp.com. I'm gonna go. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around, everybody. We love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>